0: network
1: hi this is Devin Tri from the freebooters Network today we bring you another episode of exploding dice radio we hope you enjoy the show
0: Welcome back to Exploding Dice Radio, the podcast about all things dystopian age, Firestorm Armada, and perhaps one day Uncharted Seas. As always, I am your host Andy, aka Ruckdog, and joining me today is Josh. Josh, how's it going?
1: Good. How you doing?
0: <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. So we have uh, recorded, you know, the first time here in about a month, and you know, there's been a lot of things that have happened. Uh, recently in the world of War Cradle and uh, the Firestorm Armada universe in particular, we now have the beta for Firestorm Armada 3.0 live and on the street and on our screens and in our fingers. So that is going to be the main topic of the show today. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about some of the major changes to the rules system that's come down the line here with the beta. And uh, we're going to then uh, talk a little bit about your experiences, Josh, because I am led to believe you have actually managed to get a few games under the beta rules under your belt. Is that, is that not the case, sir?
1: Yeah. Yeah. The group here in Michigan, we've been able to get some games uh, in testing the rules, albeit with a couple different iterations, but we've put dice on the table and ships have clashed
0: <laughs> super jealous super jealous well you no, know, that, that is an interesting point here we can take a short digression to talk a little bit about the uh, the beta the beta meta if that makes any sense just basically how the process of this beta has been proceeding now this is of course a follow-on beta effort to the dystopian wars 3.0 beta that war cradle started a couple years ago and finished up last year and this time around, they seem to be very much on a rapid turnaround when it comes to community feedback. Uh, we're already, I mean, this uh, past Wednesday, this was the, what, like the third week since the start of the beta. And we're already on the third uh, rendition of the rules. And there's another version that is expected to hit sometime late next week, I believe. Is that right, Josh?
1: Yeah, I saw something about Thursday. So. By the time the podcast is out, it may already be out.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, that is quite true. I'm not exactly sure when this uh, will, will get uploaded by the uh, by the network there. So by the time you listen to this, version 00.4 or zero four or whatever they're using for their system of the 3.0 beta may already be alive and in the wild for you to enjoy. All right, so that is an encouraging trend, I want to say. Um, it does really seem like the... Developers over at WarCradle are taking a lot of the community feedback on board. I think we've already seen some major changes to the beta rules based on community feedback, and these are things that you can tie directly back to uh, various posts that have been made, mostly on on the Facebook Black Ocean group. And you know, Josh, I don't know about you, but I find that when we have a beta that's really in its early stages. And there's still a good ways to go before we get to a final project. The fact that we're seeing so much almost rapid prototyping, if you want to call it that, and so much community involvement and so much response to that community involvement, it really feels like it's a positive thing for the, the game overall. Um,
1: what do you think? Yeah, it's definitely encouraging. You know, we're getting rapid feedback. Uh, you know, we're getting questions answered on the Facebook group you know, people are actually submitting uh, feedback through the proper channel, so you know, they're able to adjust things, and I think that's why we've been seeing the iterations so quick, is because people are, you know, poking holes and finding the loopholes and you know, finding the problems with uh, interactions really, really quick. So, it makes me happy, you know. Uh, that we're getting such rapid feedback. And I hope it continues. It's a little hard to keep up with, you know, especially when, you know, you may not necessarily be able to get a game in regularly due to, you know, the current conditions. But, you know, at least being able to read the updates and uh, kind of gain a understanding of how this may play out on the table is nice.
0: Yeah, well, you know, so... There's a couple of other things that I've kind of noticed in the start of this this beta period. And it is similar to the Dystopian Wars beta in that there is a bit of churn going on. What's different this time around is that that churn seems to be much more rapid. Uh, But I do anticipate seeing a steadying out, I think, as we go through the next few weeks here where... We're going to sort of hammer down all of the, the big nails with community feedback, and then we're going to get to a point where the rules are in a better place, and then you know we might go a few weeks to a month, maybe even a few months between major iterations of the beta rules. Uh, so I, I would expect this rapid turnaround and this rapid pace of change to kind of quiet down a little bit, just sort of based on what the Dystopian Wars beta experience was like. That being said, I don't... I don't remember for sure, but I'm fairly certain that we never saw this rapid of a pace of change on the Dystopian Wars beta. So who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> this is a different game after all. Um, and then the other thing that I want to point out real quick before we dig into details on what's changed in the beta, but it there are a few chunks of the rules that are basically left as, hey, this will come down the, down the line later in the beta, so don't worry about it right now. I'm specifically thinking of the cyber attacks section of the rules, but there's probably a couple other places you could point out, maybe unit stats and that sort of thing. And what we saw with the Dystopia Wars beta was something similar, but then again, those sections actually never got fleshed out during the beta. So I'm just saying that to say I'm kind of couching some expectations here that we may not actually see... All of the various portions of the rules fully fleshed out, uh, in the, during the beta process. And, um, you know, even though it says there, oh, hey, yeah, this will come later in the beta. Well, there are some parts of the dystopian wars beta rules that said the same thing. And we never got them before the rules are finalized and prepped for release. So (laughs) we'll, we'll just have to, just have to wait and see. I'll I'll be curious to see what goes on with that. Well, anyway, uh, let's, let's go ahead and dig right into it. So we're not going to sit here and re, sit here and read every single line of the beta rules to you guys. The PDFs are available for free on firestormarmada.com. You can go up there, pull them down, read them for yourself. It's not a very long rule set. You know, this is a, a pretty straightforward, um, I don't want to say stripped down, but, you know, bare bones maybe edition. It's just here to get people familiar with the rules and get them to try them out. So we're talking like a main rule PDF. It's like 22 pages, and you've got maybe another 5, 10 pages of unit stats and that type of thing. So it's not a hundreds and hundreds of pages worth of stuff to sort through. It's a pretty quick read, pretty light read. So I definitely encourage everybody to go and read it. But what I am interested in doing here on the show, Josh, is – Pulling out a few of the really key changes that have been made to the game, and sort of highlight those uh, for our listeners, and uh, maybe give them something to think about. Maybe give them an idea of what this experience is like, so they can decide for themselves if the new version of Firestorm Armada is on the right track before they dig into the rules. So, uh, with that being said, you know the heart of any good miniatures game, right, is movement and shooting, right, fire and maneuver. So yep. those are two areas that have seen some major changes now in the 3.0 beta. So let's go ahead and talk about uh, movement first, right? Um, so, Josh, when you think about the, uh, the movement system for the, the beta, what's the one big thing that jumps out at you?
1: Well, it, it's reminiscent of some other spaceship combat games I've played, like Full Thrust or even, if I remember correctly, Battlefleet Gothic, where you have the constant momentum. Um, and you can adjust your speed. So you're, it, it, the ships are a lot faster than they were in 2.0 because um, you can have ships just screaming across the table. Um, right, well, what you're
0: getting at, right, is that unlike in previous editions of Firestorm Armada, there's no maximum speed for the ships. There's a basically an acceleration value, a thrust value. And you can theoretically keep speeding up and speeding up and speeding up until you're traveling the entire table length in one turn, right? There's there's yeah. no real upper limit on your actual speed, other than the practical limit of you have to keep your model on the table. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, and it's I I think it's uh, more representative of you know space combat. You know, you're basically using all your forward momentum. You you know your engines aren't completely on all the time. Uh, I think it'll be interesting for gameplay just because I think you'll have people initially going really, really fast and then realizing that, oh, wait, the only, I can only slow down, you know, as much as what my thrust value is. <laughs> so, well, you know, it, like, oh, there goes my target. I just went flying by.
0: Well, <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it is definitely a spacier feel. I, um, Battlefleet Gothic had a very similar system to Firestorm Armada 2.0 and prior, where there was a set upper limit for speed. But Babylon 5 Wars was like that, where you had an acceleration value and you could pretty much, uh, in theory anyway, accelerate your ship uh, almost uh, to an infinite speed. You just had to uh, be able to actually keep the model on the table. And I think this is a great change, personally. Uh, This is something that I've often tossed around my head when I'm trying to Think, you know, what would I really like if, you know, if I am designing a space combat game from the ground up, what would I like to see for my movement system? And this is one of the things that I've kind of toyed around with. And so I'm actually kind of excited to see it implemented here in the beta, just because, like, like you said, Josh, it's got a spacier feel to it, but also it's something that's less used. It's not something that we've seen a lot in a lot of other mainstream space combat games. You know, like we were talking about Full Thrust and, and, you know, Babylon 5 Wars, but, you know, those games haven't been popular for going on 20 years. So this is definitely something that's sort of been out of the, the mass market, as it were, as far as uh, space combat games go. So that's exciting for me, anyway.
1: Yeah, it's... I'd like to see it, you know. And, uh, you don't, as you said, we don't see it that often. And the games that did use it haven't really been in the mainstream for forever, it seems like.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. So the other big thing that I wanted to talk about briefly with movement is, uh, well, there's actually a couple other things. So first of all, uh, and they're sort of related, because first of all, we've got a change from square bases to hex bases, right? And we should be very clear here that uh, even though the game uses hex bases, it does not use a hex map right? There's no actual, like, hex grid printed on the table that you have to abide by. You're actually able to maneuver freely on an open table without any kind of grid to it, just like you always have. But the actual shape of the bases has changed. And that is to, it seems, help out with the idea of these uh, uh, squadrons. And, uh, you know, the units that have more than one model are called squadrons in this version of the game, and Putting them into a base-to-base contact confers certain benefits. <laughs> so, so Josh, what are your thoughts on this uh, change to where the the game mechanics are now encouraging base-to-base contact for your ships?
1: Well, it's interesting because the formation, I think it's called, yeah, um, of the uh, the smaller ships. You know, it gives, like you said, it gives you some benefits, and it. Uh, Makes the smaller ships kind of more lethal in some kind, some cases, because that's the only way you can link fire is when you're in a formation like that. The, uh, which is funny, the, the way movement works with the smaller ships now is that, you know, you have a lead ship and all ships in that squadron have to match speed and everything with it. And you're more or less moving one ship. But and then moving all the ships to be either in coherency or in formation with the lead ship so it kind of speeds movement up something fierce compared to the old 2.0 which I like because um, you could get real tedious with your movement and you know trying to line things up perfectly and zigzagging with your turns and stuff like that to try to gain more movement snaking is the way we used to call it um, so I think uh, overall it's an improvement, um, makes things easier.
0: Yeah, no, so, you know, it's one of those things where this is a interesting balance between the idea of having every ship in a squadron actually on a single base, which is how Halo Fleet Battles did it, when they had a single base and you would stick, like, four or five frigates onto the same base. And the older Firestorm Armada method, where everything was an individual ship, And you had to, I mean, you know, you didn't have to. You know, there was plenty of times where I was playing a friendly game. I would move one of my four frigates and just say, okay, and the other three are going to be about right here and just move them without having to pull out the template again, right? But, you know, in in a a tournament, obviously, you want to be more precise. And, uh, you know, this is something that if you're not playing with somebody you know, it it might raise a few eyebrows or a little bit of concern. So going with this system here seems like a good way to sort of get the feel of the best of both worlds. You get these really nice-looking clusters of ships, and then you also get a, uh, maybe not precision, but a certain degree of uh, clarity, I would say, in <laughs> moving a, a group of, you know, three or four, even five ships at a time, right? So
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But yeah, no, and then uh, I guess one final thing I do want to mention here for the moving is you still have a template. There's still a turning template involved in this. Uh, which is a little weird because the way the hexes uh, for the bases are oriented, the flat of the hex is forward and aft. So you have a point on the sides. And so you're not putting your temple up against a flat portion of the base. You're putting up against uh, what's essentially an angled portion of the base, if this makes any sense. So I'm not sure exactly how that works. I'd be curious about your thoughts about how that sort of worked out on the table, Josh. But, uh, yeah still using templates and there's they're still turning templates in the game so there's still that little bit of familiarity
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it's not it's, it's a little bit of an adjustment on your first few movements but it's not too bad um, the angle is different obviously than the like a square base whereas like the square base from 2.0 was like a 45 degree turn um, this one's more of like a 30 degree but your quote-unquote turn limit is higher. And instead of being, you have to, you know, move so many inches forward before you can do a turn, the turn limit is actually just that. It's how many turns you can make while moving. So you see, Terry, like turn limit six, and people initially were like, holy crap, you know, I got to move six inches. But no, that's how many times you can turn during your movement and i mean it works out even with the 30 degrees it works out to about the same you know it takes the same amount of space to like fully turn around you know when you're going around in a heading so i mean it's just an adjustment for the hex base overall you know you're moving the same amount of distance and just in a different method
0: right right well interesting all right, well, Josh, uh, we're about to move on here to shooting. Is there anything else you wanted to bring up regarding the changes to the movement? No. No. All right, well, let's go ahead and dig into the shooting then, because, hey, everybody likes to shoot guns. It's part of the uh, big reason we play these games, right? So I guess one of the big changes that we have to bring up is the changing to the firing arcs, right? Because before in Firestorm Armada, you had the four basic 90-degree fire arcs, fore, aft, and important starboard. And then you also have some other things like fixed channel, forward, fixed channel, port and starboard, that type of thing. Well, that's changed considerably. <laughs> so, so Josh, how many fire arcs do we have now in the game?
1: We have six. <laughs> One for each side of the hex.
0: <laughs> and then, of course, there's also some ways you can combine those. So if you take the, the two, the, the forward, the, you know, the port bow and the port quarter and combine them together, that makes a, a, a port firing arc and the same thing on the starboard and then you can do a full 180 degrees forward and a 180 degrees aft for a forward and rearward arc and this type of thing. But, yeah, you know, your, your basic building blocks have gone from four individual arcs up to uh, six. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I didn't see any fixed channel arc discussion in any of the, the rules or the unit stats. Is that correct?
1: Yeah. No, there's no, like, fixed. I mean, it's kind of hard to do a fixed arc on a hex. You know, it's easy to do on a square
0: Well, I I wouldn't say I wouldn't say easy, easier maybe. But (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll be right up in front. You know, I've I've been up front about this in the past. I am not a fan of the fixed channel arc, especially especially for the smaller square bases and the longer ranges that you're often doing those things at in uh, Firestorm Armada. Just it (laughs) it got to be a bit of a challenge sometimes to do precisely. But it it is what it is. So anyway, so yeah. We've got these uh, six arcs now, and uh, they're you know smaller, um, you know because they're they're what you know uh, sixty degrees instead of the ninety degrees. Uh, so uh, the bases are intended to help players figure out what's in arc and what's not because they're intended to have the wedges, you know the sixty degree wedges uh, marked out on the base, um, which is helpful, and uh, you see that in the the base templates that they've included in the uh, PDFs available for the beta test. And we'll uh, talk about that, I'm sure, here coming up in the uh, the next section when we get your impressions on the actual gameplay. But, uh, yeah, so that's that's the setup there. Now, there is a lot of new rules associated with various weapon types. Now, because in older uh, Firestorm Armada versions, you had things like beams and Nuclear weapons, but this time there's uh, quite a few more. I uh, am looking here, and we've got what uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh shoot! Watch, count right over a dozen (laughs) different uh, weapons qualities now that they're called, and that includes things like beam and kinetic, but also includes things that might have been a model-assigned rule under the older systems like corrosive and uh, devastating and that type of thing, right? So,
1: yeah, yep.
0: Uh, but it really seems like uh, the way they've got those types laid out, it gives a lot of flexibility and the opportunity for a lot of flavor for individual ships and factions. But it will mean that uh, there's probably going to be a little more rules referencing because there are so many different uh, different types out there. Um,
1: yeah, and it's just like they all they they all seem to either like modify your which we'll get to, Um, your system damage dice uh, or it has to do with like how they hit and how like the range and stuff like that Um, I don't know, I think, because we had a lot of different weapon types in 2.0 I think once you start you know, you're going to have similar weapons and factions so you'll just get used to you know, like the Dintrenzi have lots of kinetics and stuff like that and the Ceruleans have scatter weapons. I think you'll just get used to the rules the more you play your fleet.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a uh, really good point. I'm sure as you get uh, into it, it starts to feel more natural. I mean, that's always how it felt for me. You know, I would be struggling to remember how things worked after coming back to a game for a long time away, but then after a few times, it starts to go a lot more smoothly. So I'm not surprised to hear something similar is happening with that. Um, now, one thing that uh, we probably need to go over here is just how the damage mechanic works, like what the what the attack sequence is. And and so this is probably going to get a little technical here for just a second, but hey, we sort of need to cover this in some reasonable detail in order for it to be understandable, <laughs> I think, for everybody uh, following along at home. So so, Josh, why don't you go ahead and, and just walk us through uh, uh, basically how the shooting and the damage mechanics work. Uh, and because you've got obviously the, the tabletop experience with it.
1: yeah. so there's no longer DRCR and hull points. Um, you still have your you know your dice pools for your weapons. Uh, every ship has a shield and armor value and your target number or TN, that's what they call their to hit roll target number is based on the shield value of the ship. So if the ship has a shield value of four, you need four better to hit the ship. Now, once you roll your dice, um, you take all your successes and you compare, uh, the number of hits to the armor. So for each multiple of armor, so let's say you have armor four and you get 12 hits. That's, three multiples basically that allows you to roll three system damage dice and with the system damage dice you're looking for like numbers so let's say I roll three and I get a two a four and a four so my uh, my majority is four so that means that you look at the the system damage uh, table and whatever the result I think four is like a communications blackout or something like that yeah um, that means that you apply that system damage to the ship and there's six different system damage types and they all do a different you know they have a different effect or whatnot once it's on there so once uh, every ship also has a mass value showing like how big it is. Once you exceed the mass with the same type of system damage, then the ship is destroyed. So let's say you have a mass 3 ship and you stack up 4, um, system damage of like number 5, you know, whatever, like shields down. You have, let's just say shields down. Uh, you have 4 results of shields down. That means the ship is destroyed. But that doesn't happen until the end of the turn because you have a chance to repair the system damage on the ship. And you repair, the number of repair dice you get is equal to your mass value. So you could theoretically strip off enough damage to stay in the game. And most notably, the uh, difference between 2.0 and this is your ship stays 100% combat effective. Your dice pools aren't affected by the amount of system damage you have. So you're fully fight capable, unlike 2.0 where, obviously, your hull points, uh, you know, however many hull points you lost, subtracted from your dice pools. So essentially it made ships harder to kill because you're rolling less dice. And then that's not the case with the new combat system. You get your full dice pulls, which is nice because that means ships die faster. Now the one thing uh, that it sounds kind of clunky, but once you actually play it, it flows a little bit better. You get used to it. You know, then that's like with any game. You know, it's new, it's different, so you're not sure how it works, so it tends to go a little slower, but once you get get going with it, it's pretty intuitive.
0: Well, one thing I do want to bring up about the system damage is there is some degradation going on. You know, for example, oh, I don't know, I'll just pick one here, drive leak. If you get a drive leak system damage, then you reduce your thrust by one point to a minimum of one, which means you can't accelerate and decelerate as fast. As an example. So, it, it, what it seems like to me is that, you know, they've sort of lumped the critical hits in with the system damage results. And so instead of having a critical hits table like you had with uh, older versions of the game, you now just apply the system damage and those incorporate some of the same effects uh, that you would have had from that uh, critical hits table.
1: Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of, it's, it compacts things, you know, yeah. makes, gives you less to, Less to think about, less to remember.
0: Now, so the the big thing that uh, has been seeing a lot of attention during discussions, you know, on Facebook and other places about this system is how uh, you know you sort of randomly figure out what system damages you get. You know, let's say you, you manage to cause four system damages to a ship. You roll four dice, and then whichever you know, say you got one four, one, five and two threes. Well, you would take the two communications failure results for the threes and the other two would get discarded, that type of thing. Or, you know, if it's an even number, say you got two threes and two fives, you would get to pick which one you wanted to apply to the target model, that type of thing. Um, yeah. it, it, that does mean it can be a bit, uh, stringy it, or I think, uh, streaky, I guess maybe be the better term because it might be possible to, you know, do enough damage, system damages to a battleship with just 12 hits. Or it might take a lot more than that. It just sort of depends on <laughs> which systems you happen to roll for your system damage rolls. I guess, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And from my understanding, and I could be wrong. It could have changed at this point. Like each, like if you roll two fives on that, that's actually two system damage. You know, with the result of five. So I'll have to reread it. You know, for the latest version, because I've only been able to see the highlights. I got to see if that particular aspect change yeah so you know given that you know each five of the system damage counts as a result of damage you know it theoretically stuff should die quicker
0: yeah yeah and they did add the uh, catastrophic damage rules where if a model gets twice a system damage uh that's uh, or a system damages are equal to twice its mass attribute excuse me then uh, it's immediately removed from the play area. You, know, you can get to the system repair. So that means that for a frigate who has a mass value of 1, if you get two system damages of the same type, out it goes. <laughs> yeah. Whereas with a battleship that's mass 3, it takes all the way up to 6. So that's a significantly different amount or significantly bigger challenge, I guess you could say, to try and uh, get that all in one go. Um, but yeah. Alright, so uh, we've talked about the firing arcs, we've talked about the change and the damage mechanics, sort of a refreshing thing. It's it's very different to be playing a naval combat game where it doesn't have hull points per se. You know, the the way the mass values kind of work, they're sort of kind of hull points, but it's not exactly the same thing. So this, I think is one of the quote unquote big new ideas <laughs> in the, the beta that I, is sort of exciting because it's uh, something, you know, fresh and uh, different. So,
1: yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um,
0: all right, uh, well, that's more or less it I have for shooting. Is there anything else you wanted to mention in the uh, the shooting section before we move on?
1: Um, not really. Some of the earlier things I had actually got refined or changed in the latest iteration. so
0: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, that's that's it you know rapid, rapid changes, high speed learning things are coming fast and furious right now so it's very possible that uh, some of the things we're talking about now could very well get changed you know that's going to be the the caveat for a while here with the uh, the beta rules until they get more or less uh, nailed down uh, but yeah uh, well I guess you know one final thing I wanted to mention and uh, that's uh, again a not this isn't a comprehensive list of all the changes but The one final big change I did want to mention involves uh, SRS, the the short-range ships, you know, fighters and bombers and that type of thing. Um, These have been completely changed. The system they've been changed to is very reminiscent of what they went with for the Dystopian Wars 3.0 beta, which in turn was very reminiscent of the system Spartan developed for the Dystopian Wars Fleet Action and Firestorm Task Force, quick play rule sets uh, that they, they came up with oh, about uh, four or five years ago now. It's been a while. Um, so to boil it down succinctly the way this works is that your carrier models are able to place their tokens on any model, friendly or enemy, uh within a certain range, I believe it's twenty five inches uh currently. Again, though that's something that could change. That is something that did change during the Dystopian Wars beta when they used the system. They messed around with the, the deployment ranges, uh, you know, added some, took some away in various versions. But anyway, so a carry gets a certain number of tokens, gets to put them on any model friendly or enemy. If they're on an enemy model, they're assumed to be making a bombing run. If they're on a friendly model, they're assumed to be fighters, they're doing a cat. Uh and this is a base contact, excuse me. And then once you get all the way to the end phase, that's when you resolve what actually happens with those squadrons. So you see some defensive stuff going on with the cat fighters. You see some offensive stuff going on with the bombers. They make their attack runs, which pretty much use the same attack and damage mechanics that we just talked about for uh, normal shooting. So it's not like there's a too much of a separate mini game going on there <laughs> with how the damage works. And then they come off the table, and they're assumed to sort of fly back to the carrier, and then you rinse and repeat during the next turn. So um, overall, this is a much more streamlined system than the way the SRS worked in Firestorm Armada 2.0. Um, not having a chance to play it yet, I think it looks good. You know, I like the system a lot when I played it in Fleet Action. I liked it a lot when I played it in the Stopping Wars 3.0 beta, so I have no doubt that it's going to work fairly well here in this context as well. Um, any thoughts on the SRSs for the beta there, Josh?
1: Uh, I, like the, I like the new system. It's much more streamlined. Um, especially, like, in the attack mode with the fighters, you can really do some coup de gras actions on a ship, um, especially big ships. Uh, you know, sending a full stack, like, you know, carrier capacity 8, sending a full stack of... Uh, SRS tokens at an undefended ship uh, can pretty much mean that you're going to more than likely kill it if it's already taken damage, just because of the amount of dice you're rolling um, and uh, how they work, you know. But it also, there's a lot more strategy to it, you know, do I spread out my tokens, you know, to take out attack or a possible attack runs, or, you know, do I just throw it all into... One basket and attack a ship. There's, there's some strategy to it, but it's not as tedious as the previous system. Like, I know a lot of people were cheesed off by what we call point defense mountain, uh, where you just have your, you know, whatever token hovering within range of a ship and basically made torpedoes useless because you just had so many point defense dice to shoot them all down. Uh, Well, As
0: a a Terran player, that that one hits pretty close to home. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So that's gone, thank goodness. Um, You can intercept quite a bit of different things with point defense now, Um, but it's not the overkill that it once was. So I do like that.
0: Hmm. Interesting. Well, um, I think that pretty much wraps up the major points that we wanted to hit on the uh, various uh, big changes. Again, not a exhaustive list by any stretch of the means. And a lot of the things we discussed here could change in the future. But, you know, these are just sort of the things that really jumped out at us as the big heavy hitter changes from 2.0. Lots and lots of smaller changes as well. Uh, but you know, This is, I think, Josh, you would agree with me, a very different game, a very different animal than uh, 2.0 was, right?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's that's not a bad thing, yeah. honestly, in my, yeah. in my opinion. You know, sometimes you just have to start fresh.
0: Yeah. Okay, well, Josh, any uh, uh, last-minute thoughts here about the sort of the crunchy technical side of this before we take a quick break and come back and talk about how it plays on the table? No, sir. Alright, well in that case we're going to take a quick break here for our uh, sponsors over at the uh, Free Buddhas Network and when we come back we're going to talk about actually playing the 3.0 beta Stay tuned
1: Currently humanity looks to the internet for its
0: information We have stood at the edge of despair and would have
1: fallen If not for awesome podcasts and their content of everything we love now these podcasts are all brought
0: together in one place. Forged in like-mindedness, tempered with a community-oriented forum, covering all things geek, such as wargaming, board gaming, comics, movies, and more. Presenting a lineup of podcasts producing exclusive content for the fans. The Freebooters Network. Trolls want to steal our community. Let's them. Try. Hey, everybody. We're back. Now, for our second segment here, we are going to be talking about how the Firestorm Armada 3.0 Beta plays on the table. So, Josh, you have had the opportunity to actually get in a few games of 3.0 Beta. Now, I believe this was under one of the previous iterations, correct? Not the most recent one that just went up this past uh, Wednesday.
1: Is that correct? Yeah, it was under the first, the actual first release and then the, uh, the slight tweak in the, uh, second release.
0: Got it. Got it. Now, so for everybody's sort of understanding, what was the setting in which you got a chance to play this? Was this you and a friend? Uh, did you do it in person? Was it online over something like Tabletop Simulator? Uh, how, how was the setup for this?
1: Well, we actually did it in person. Um, our local gaming store, basically, you could come in and play by appointment. And they have a separate section. So, uh, myself and, let's say, four or five other people, um, five other people came in, uh, all masked up. And we got a couple tables, you know, going of, uh, various size games. The biggest of which was 2000 points. Oh wow. So you had a full, you know, full complement of, uh, you know, capital ships, cruisers, and, uh, frigates. Hmm. And then we had some other smaller games, uh, just to kind of try things out a little bit. Um, the big game, I know I watched the, the big game, you know, and took notes on that. Just uh, you know for feedback,
0: right, right. Uh, so how many how many different uh, folks did you have playing games? Was it just you and somebody else, or was it uh, a bit of a group that you had going?
1: It was a bit of it was a bit of a group. Um, the uh, uh, mostly because we all wanted to kind of powwow, you know, about our our experiences and you know kind of compare notes and see. You know, where we could do suggest improvements, you know, see what worked, what didn't work, what was, you know, if something was kind of frustrating, you know, basically compare notes about Hmm. our experience.
0: Interesting. So you had a, I I guess it's fair to say you had a a decent sample size as far as, you know, it's not like you just play a single game and, and call it, you had, you know, what, three, four, five, six games. Kind of to, yeah. and then multiple yep. individuals to kind of compare and contrast uh, thoughts on. So that's that's going to be good. I'm looking forward to hearing some of those thoughts here as we move on. So for these uh, these different games, um, how were you guys handling the, the basing issues? Did you guys have temporary bases to rebase your ships? Did you just sort of make do with squares? How did that work out for you?
1: Well, we had the square bases, but the guys uh, printed out a hex base, um like the paper hex bases and more or less just slipped them down over the peg. (laughs) So you had a hex base or a hex on top of the square and then they were just doing everything from the hex base. Unfortunately our two guys with 3D printers uh, one of them attempted to do a print for a bunch of hex bases and it was a no-go so Mm. he wasn't able to print a batch of bases for us in time for the game, but the paper ones, they work just fine going over the, the square bases, uh, using the templates and stuff like that, that were printable. You, you know, we were able to move everything just fine, measure everything just fine, you know?
0: All right. Well, I was bad. So in other words, it wasn't too hard to work out a tabletop workable solution, at least for the purposes of beta testing, I guess, huh?
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't little ingenuity, but it, it was, you know, everything worked out really well.
0: Nice, nice. So uh, now I'd like to sort of move into some more thoughts about gameplay. So what was the group's general impression about the new movement rules? Was it, you said, mentioned earlier it took a little bit of adjusting. Were you guys finding yourselves speeding up too fast and shooting off the table? Or, or was it just a, uh, a difficulty in trying to get your shots lined up with your various firing arcs? Uh, you know, what, what were some of the, the things you were finding with the movement system?
1: Well, everybody was being really conservative with movement, you know, um, because you start at a certain speed. You know, we all agreed that we started off um, at speed three, and we started with uh, – we did deployment zones, kind of like the old game. I think the real um, – you'd almost want to deploy, you know, we decided you almost want to deploy right on the table edge because you're already starting at a certain speed and you can obviously go faster. Because starting in a deployment zone, we found, especially in the big game, that everybody got into, you know, what we affectionately call knife fighting distance pretty quick. (laughs) Right. Um, So monitoring your speed is going to be a real big factor as is, The scenario you're playing, you know, as, you know, for deployment zone size, where you're starting off, what your starting speed is, you know, are all going to be real big factors for your deployment and your overall, like, how fast you close the distance with your opponent. Hmm.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So then it seems like uh, it's a major overhaul to the mental model then for how the movement works before you can start really sort of taking advantage of the enhanced maneuverability that the game
1: grants you. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, yeah. There's You definitely have to, like, reset your your brain when it Mm -hmm. comes to movement. You know, we always said Firestorm Armada is one in the movement phase, which I think that's – Pretty safe to say for a lot of like quote unquote naval combat, mm-hmm. um, but it's, you, it's going to take a little bit for people to adjust to it because it is very different uh, in the you know meta wise than the old movement system.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: you can cl- like I said, you can close the distance really quick. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah I, I I just that was something that occurred to me as I was going through and, and reading the rules. It's like, wow, you could be really moving across the table. there's nothing really stopping you from getting up to you know ten, fifteen, twenty plus inches a turn um, and really covering distance
1: well, and it really plays into a part like with scatter weapons mm-hmm. um, since they use you know they're like, okay, it's fifteen inches, but the narrow point of your template. Can be at the 15 inch mark. So it's, you know, it's relatively close, but the closer you get, the more deadly that thing gets. Yeah. Um, especially against frigates Mm -hmm. where you can hit a whole squadron, you know, all at once and you're rolling the same amount of dice against each ship. Oof. (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah I, I can see that uh ending badly for those uh, poor little small guys
1: <laughs> oh yeah yeah no i there's so much system damage dice mm-hmm. like stacking up that uh you know you're seeing whole squadrons evaporate because of the limited amount of repair dice you actually get um even with like if the ship's in a formation you know with the formation bonus to repair
0: so, Josh, that's kind of a great segue to another thing I wanted to talk about, which is what was your general impression about the longevity of models on the table? Were things dying very quickly? Did it seem like things were hanging around for a long time? As we discussed, there's kind of an opportunity for a extended lifetime for some chips between the randomized system damage rolls and the repair rolls in the end phase that get to take away some of that
1: system damage. Well, we saw... Stuff didn't die as quick as we thought it was going to, but it still died quicker than the pre, you know, than 2.0. Um, you kind of like, especially on the big ships, you really had to consider your fire. Like, do I want to pour a ton of fire into this ship just to guarantee that he's not going to be able to repair the damage? You know, it seems like you're going to be. I think pouring a lot more fire into bigger targets, or just targets in general, just to ensure that they're it's you know impossible for them to repair. But we found that uh, given the ran you know the semi randomness of the you know what kind of system damage you put on it, and having six different types, we got like stacks of tokens, mm. which I think was. Uh, something that you know needs to be addressed in a you know a good manner of tracking the system damage. I know one of the guys had the idea of uh, you know like the little dice that you used to use for the SRS tokens.
0: Yeah, yeah, the little micro dice or mini dice. Yeah, putting
1: like a little micro dice and you know each segment of the base represents you know on the system damage. You know each sensor six different system damage types. Um, and then you just stack a die up because, truth be told, you know if you're up to six system damage on, you know, like on a mass three ship, it's it's destroyed. So with the catastrophic damage rule, so there's no real need to go above a D six, you know, for tracking it. Um, but yeah, people and I've noticed like people are really stacking tokens and they weren't necessarily, um, it wasn't great, uh, especially on the squadrons. You know, when you're moving, that was one of the impediments to movement was making sure you kept your, you know, your system damage tokens <laughs> properly aligned and with the right ship. And right. Right. So I think it's, that's something that needs to be addressed either through like a, a base, something with the base, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, having some sort of shit, you know, that, like, attaches to the, again, attaches to the base or something.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. Or alternatively, they go the route of having unit cards off the side of the table, and you stack all of the tokens on unit cards. But that introduces its own issues as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, then, yeah, then again, it's another tracking issue. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, this goes to this ship, this goes to that ship, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's that's the way Victory at Sea from uh, Warlord is doing it with their recent releases and aside. But then again, their models also have the ship's name printed on the side of the base. And you know, it's historical ships, so they're a little more distinct. It's not like you have, you know, eight or 12 of the same exact model on the table, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> like you might with a uh, group of frigates, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so did you guys get a chance to play around with any of the the carrier mechanics at all? Anybody bring carriers? How did that work out for you guys?
1: Yes, in the two thousand point game that our locals Matt and Dave played, um, they included both included carriers. Um, they both experimented with you know spreading out their tokens, you know doing one huge attack against something. You know they really explored it. And it seemed to move rather smoothly. Um, and it was really deadly to, um, like, cruiser-sized ships. You know, hitting cruisers with a huge stack of uh, tokens was pretty devastating. Mm. Um, even hitting the large ships, you know, especially if they already had system damage on them, hitting the large ships... Like I said before, is like it was like a coup de gras mm. type of deal. But you know, like Dave, when he was getting hit, he tended to be more defensive with his tokens, especially on the bigger ships because they could help with repair. Or they could, you know, help intercept the the attacking tokens.
0: Interesting. So that that sounds like uh, they they do have a interesting bit of decision making involved where you have to decide, am I going to use my carrier to boost my offense, or am I going to use it to try and keep some of my bigger ships in the fight for longer, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, and it's there's like, there's some some tactical, you know, uh, tactics to it. And I think that's going to be one of the, something that's as they, you know, if they change SRS or, you know, because I know they've been slightly tweaking them especially like tweaking the number of dice that they roll per token. in um, the iteration we played, they counted as uh, four dice per token and they were kinetic weapons in the first iteration of kinetic which made them just utterly devastating yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now they've you know they've toned them down a little bit. They went to two dice and now they're up to four dice but they they don't count as like a, a kinetic.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, so, um, and I think they're a little easier to hit with point defense now, too, if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, very that's really interesting. I that, And so that actually does sort of lead me to another question. Is there any particular weapon types you noted during your guys' little play session that stood out as being, oh, these things are absolutely must-takes or, oh, you should never take these because they <laughs> don't seem to do anything? Or is there any kind of clear leaders of the pack there?
1: Well, it's like, since there was only fleet lists out for the Ceruleans and the Dendrenzi, you know, we couldn't deal with like uh, like corrosive weapons or graviton weapons or anything like that. Um, But at the iteration, kinetic weapons were very overpowered. Hmm. Uh, They bypassed shields and they bypassed armor. So essentially all your hits were... System damage dice. Wow. So, uh, on the next iteration, they shrunk the dice pools down because of how devastating they were. Hmm. And now on the latest iteration, it doesn't look like they bypass armor. They've always been able to be intercepted by point defense, which is new. Um, but it looks like now they don't bypass armor, they just bypass shields. Uh, because the, the to hit number or your target number changes based on the range. It gets harder to hit targets that are farther out. So they're not the, the long range weapon that they once were. Um, but they've toned them down, which is good, cause, uh, and then they had a, another rule, hypervelocity, which the Dendrenzi had on their weapons, which, Meant they initially meant they couldn't be intercepted by point defense, but now it's been toned down to uh, point defense dice don't explode against hypervelocity weapons. So it's rapid feedback, you know, on just like, oh my god, these weapons are devastating. Like the, because the Ceruleans had uh, kinetic weapons that were also devastating weapons. So they count their sixes, you know, their sixes counted as two hits. Right. Right. And then they, you know, then they exploded. So it was like, oh my God, we had the game, the 2000 point game literally went two turns and everything was wiped off the board except for like a couple frigates and a cruiser.
0: Wow. So very, very, uh, very deadly game. Things, things die. Quickly.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. and, Like, playtime, it was slowed down a little bit. Um, I know they've refined the repair rules some, and uh, that was, like, in our thing, that was the slowdown portion, was doing the repair at the end of the turn. Um, Fire, you know, firing at the miscellaneous ships and stuff. The two longest points of the turn were... Uh, engaging in fire and then the the repair phase, mm. like repairing your ships. Mm. And um, there's been good clarifications now on the, but the initial uh, rules were a little vague. Uh, but like I said, they've they've been refining things and it's, you know, things are working better uh, than they were and they're a little more clear. I know a lot of people were getting confused. By the wording
0: Right, right Well, so I guess Sort of kind of uh, Close it out here A little bit Overall uh, What was the Impression for the system Is it uh, Good, bad um, Getting there Need some major changes What, what were the, the Overall thoughts there From the folks That were at your Meetup
1: Well, we were A little split I thought it was We all thought it was A very interesting system And obviously It's It's new and different and, you know, I'm keeping an open mind with it. And I told everybody to keep an open mind, um, especially since things are changing, you know, at this point rather rapidly. Um, I know a couple of the guys were being a little more critical about about it. They said they weren't really having fun. But this was the first iteration. Right. You know, this right. is fresh out of the gate. Um, you know, there's been... You know, I said, we're going to have to, you know, we may not necessarily get to try it at every iteration and update, but, you know, let them do a couple updates on it. And, you know, let's see, you know, if your opinion changes. Because even if you're not completely keen on it, like you were with 2.0, you can at least give feedback. You can still play it and give feedback on it. Right. To try to to improve it. Because it is, it's a brand new system, you know, you can't really compare it to the old way of doing it or the old rules because it is a completely new system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got to judge it on its own merits rather than comparing it to the old system.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, But even given all of that, does it still feel like Firestorm Armada? Is there enough there from the old system that it still gives some of the similar feel
1: from the older version? The feel, like with the races, is there. Like I, the Gendrenzi with all the rail guns, scatter weapons. Um, you know, I think like the new skin, the new way they do scatter weapons is a little more like how I always envisioned them. Like just, it says you put so much fire into the space that it just kind of obliterates everything. Right. And now it, you know, now it's like, oh, it's a template. You know, now it does hit everything. <laughs> in an area.
0: Well, I, I think, uh, I can't remember if it was you or me that came out. This is basically a space flamer, right? So
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Space <laughs> flamer. So I mean the feel, the there's, there, you know, there's the feel, um, but it definitely isn't 2.0. Yeah. And that's, yeah. you can't, I've been telling people you can't go into it thinking it's going to be just a, updated version of 2.0
0: interesting interesting well josh uh that was really great i appreciate the kind of the in-depth impressions after having gotten a chance to to play some um is there anything else you wanted to bring up or highlight about your uh, little play test session that we didn't talk about already
1: not really i can't think of anything <laughs> right off the top of my head honestly other than I'm looking forward to seeing what the next iteration holds and see exactly what they changed.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's one thing that we're going to have the opportunity to look forward to is they're going to keep up with this uh, relatively quick pace release the next week or two, it sounds like. So, yeah, more to come, more to come. And with that, I think we're going to probably close out here for this episode. Uh, you know, this is... Just the first, and what I'm sure will be, a series of episodes on the Firestorm Mata beta as we continue to move forward through the process, um, and we'll come back next month and we'll see what other major changes have been made, and heck, who knows, maybe by the time we get to next month, there will be some Dystopian Wars news to talk about as well. <laughs> you never know, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Now, if they're all back at the office, hopefully we'll see a little bit of forward momentum on all the fronts.
0: Yes, that would be exciting, so... All right, everybody, that'll do it for this episode of Exploding Dice Radio. As always, thanks so much for listening, both to this show and to the other shows on the Freebooters Network. If you have any feedback or have a topic you'd like to see discussed here on the show, you can uh, find us via the Exploding Dice Radio Facebook page, uh, and you can also find an episode discussion thread on the Man Battle Stations and War Cradle forums. Uh, Finally, you can always email us directly at edrpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, this is Ruck Dog saying good luck and good hunting.
1: This is Josh saying remember Models.
0: The music featured in this podcast is from the World of Warships soundtrack and is provided courtesy of the Wargaming Group Limited.